Hello and good morning. How are you guys doing today? Anybody else? I love this time in Tucson so much, like where the saguaros start blooming and everything, but my allergies are starting to like ruin my life. Like it's just, it's just getting to be that time. So I had to bring my water bottle just in case. We'll see how it goes today. Um, so I was talking to a few people earlier this week and um, I was sharing that my husband and I just celebrated six years of being married. We just celebrated that recently with each other. Thank you. I always feel like that round of applause is more for Andy. Cause like, look, if you look at that picture, like, you know, he's dealing with something. But um, I do want to take a second to point out for this morning. I learned from 915. That's my Andy. That is not Andy Thomas. He had several people come up to him after service and be like, your wife. And he goes, no. So that's my Andy, just so we know. And like I said, six years of marriage. And I think that I've shared this in here before, but there, um, we actually met each other right here at Cassis. We used to have these big bleachers that were in the back of the auditorium right here. And his family would always sit in front of my seat at church. Cause like sometimes we have assigned seats at church and I, I thought he was the cutest boy. Like, oh, he had these dimples and these freckles. And I was just, I thought he was so fine. And so uh, one day we started this new like, um, adult class, like a Bible fellowship class. And he walked in and I finally worked up the courage to go talk to the cute boy. And so we started dating and we had been dating for about six months when I'm at school because I was in grad school at the time. So I'm at home and I'm doing my homework for school. And I get this text message from that cute boyfriend. And he says, Hey, so I just enlisted in the army. I leave for basic training in six weeks. And I hope you're ready for this exclamation point. Like, excuse you? You hope I'm ready for this? I had no idea this was coming, you guys. He had mentioned the military to me, like his family was military. I had no idea he was going to Phoenix, signing the papers and shaking the hands and enlisting that day. That he was gonna be leaving in six weeks. And he says to me, I hope you're ready for this. Like, I have a plan. I'm in school. I'm ready to graduate. I'm interning with Seth here at Cassis. I think I have this career path in front of me. And my cute boyfriend says, I'm going to throw a big wrench in that. And I hope that you're ready for this. Like, it just felt like someone threw cold water on my face. Like, I'd gotten ran over by something. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Not... Not the boyfriend text. Like, I hope that doesn't happen to others. That's pretty classic. But in fact, Glenn made a comment earlier where he goes, you know, Andy makes the rest of us look better. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but he's cute. But, uh, but the rest of it, that kind of feeling of getting ice water thrown on you, like, has that moment ever happened? That moment that you had no idea what was coming down that road. Like it's kind of like you just missed that the person driving in front of you put on their brake lights and you found out real quick. Or you're on the other side of that and you get the phone call that starts out, mom, I'm okay, but, and you know everything after that isn't actually okay. It could be you're at that point in your life where you're sitting down with a pregnancy test and two lines is gonna change everything. But maybe not seeing two lines is gonna change everything too. It could be that moment that a doctor sits down in front of you with the most unexpected news, news that you had no idea was rushing at you. It could be you sit down with your parents 
and they tell you that they're gonna be getting a divorce. It could be you sit down with your spouse and they tell you that they, they're wanting a divorce. It could be sitting down with your job and they invite you to not be working there next week. And you're suddenly hit by something that you had no idea was coming at you, completely unforeseen. It could be a moment being that ambitious 25-year-old girl reading a text message that you did not know was coming and all of a sudden you're realizing, I'm a planner. I don't know if you guys are, but I'm a planner and I had a path in front of me and suddenly everything is unknown. And I am being asked to take a step forward into something that I am not prepared for and I don't know how it's gonna go and I'm not ready for this. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna talk about those moments. I wanna talk about those moments that we get hit by something that we didn't see coming and those moments that we're being asked to step into something that we do not have a plan for. We do not have control of this very unknown situation. And I wanna talk about where God might be in those moments. And so I think as Glenn mentioned, to do that, we're gonna look at a specific uh, story, a specific event that happens in the Bible. And it happens in the Gospel of Matthew. So to say the Gospel of Matthew just means that this is a story or this is a book of the Bible that's about Jesus. It's about his life and his teaching. That's why we say gospel. And this situation involves Peter, who is a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And then we're gonna look at chapter 14 in Matthew, if you're someone who wants to turn there. But just to take a quick pause, because I think sometimes we throw out the word disciple and we're a little separated from what that actually meant in Jesus's time. Because to be a disciple was actually a really big honor. It was almost the goal of your life in a lot of different ways. So for the Jewish community, education was a huge deal. Education was incredibly important. And so from the ages of six to 10, year, six to 10 years old, students would go to school and their primary goal was to memorize what they called the Torah which is what we call the first five books of the Old Testament. And it's because the Jewish community was built on the Torah. Everything they did and they believed and how they saw themselves and how they treated others was based out of the Torah. And and it's not like they had copies to go home to. So they had to memorize it and make it a part of their lives. So imagine 10 years old and you have memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Like I have nieces and nephews who are about that age. And I mean, times table and state capitals is tough. And these guys are memorizing this Torah. And then once you get to 10, if you've gotten to there and you're like, you're an okay student, but you're not showing a ton of promise, what you would get to do is you would go home and you would pick up the family business, whatever that looked like. But if you were a good student, and you showed a lot of promise, you got to stay in school until by the time you were about 15 or 16 years old, you would have memorized what was known as the Old Testament, 39 books. And in addition to that at 16, you're memorizing the oral tradition, you're memorizing commentaries from other rabbis, and you're asking questions, you're being asked questions because you wanna know this stuff really well. Because when you get done with school, what your goal is, is you have to go up to a rabbi and rabbis were a big deal. They're like the leaders of the community, but they knew the scripture inside out, backwards, forwards, the questions. They, they lived a certain life. And so your goal was to go to a rabbi and say, I wanna be your disciple and I wanna be your follower. And after they drilled you for a minute, they said, yes, you get to follow me. And from that point forward, that was your life. You gave up everything to get to follow that rabbi. You wanted to hear the way that they taught and the things that they had to say to people. You wanted to see the way that they lived their lives and the way that they treated other humans. You wanted to follow so closely behind that rabbi. What they would say is, you wanna get the dust from your rabbi's sandals kicked up on you. 
That's how close you're living to your rabbi is that you're getting covered in their dust. That's the goal of their lives. So when we talk about the 12 disciples and we talk about Jesus, we're talking about that kind of relationship. These guys wanted to follow Jesus so closely, he was kicking dust up, off, up on them from his sandals. And so when we get to this uh, chapter 14 in Matthew, they've been living this way for a little while and following Jesus. And we have this particular day of a miracle that we call um, the feeding of the 5,000. And so this whole crowd had gathered as was customary with Jesus and he's taught them and he's healed. And it's been this huge day of feeding the 5,000 people and this miracle that happens out of that. And the disciples are a part of this. And at the end of the night, Jesus sends them home. He dismisses this crowd and he says to the disciples, I want you to get in this boat and I want you to row across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. I need to go over here and I need to pray and be by myself. So when the disciples get in the boat to sail away, we're told that there's a really big storm with really strong winds happening. So they've had this long day, they're exhausted. They get in the boat and now they can barely move it because of these winds. We're told by dawn, they barely made it halfway across the lake. And then picking up um, in verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they're terrified and they say, it's a ghost. They cry out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I wanna pause there because like that's such a classic Peter response. Like if, if you know Peter in the Bible, like this is something he'd do. He's a bold man. Like he is known for being passionate and decisive and a little bit impulsive. Like we see other moments where he cuts somebody's ear off or he responds kind of foolishly to questions Jesus asks, or he makes some promises to Jesus that he does not follow through on. But imagine what he's living through in this moment. He is in this boat and he's exhausted and it's been this huge day. And all of a sudden his rabbi shows up walking on the water. That's the guy he's supposed to be following so closely, he gets covered in his dust. The life that he wants to mirror his life after and learn as much as he can. And he's walking on the water and everything in Peter says, this is my life. I need to be on the water with him. I'm supposed to be following where he goes. So obviously he says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said, then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he began to cry out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind had died down and those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. I know this might be a little bit of a cliche and I get that. But sometimes doesn't it feel like life, like you're sinking? Like, I don't know, maybe you relate to getting hit by something that you did not know was coming. Something shows up in your life like that glass of ice water and you suddenly find yourself frozen, speechless, unable to move because who knew this is what was gonna show up? You start asking questions like, why me? Why would God let this happen? And you can almost feel the panic start to swell up like it would have seeing someone walk across water and you start thinking, this is it and I'm sinking and I do not know what to do with this. Others of you are like me and you're a planner and then something shows up in life 
where you're being asked to step into something completely unknown, something you cannot control, something you don't even have a category for, like stepping out of a boat in the middle of a storm. And all you can think is, what am I supposed, how do I take my next step? If I look around, I see wind and storm and things that I don't understand, how am I supposed to step forward in this? and move, and you can start to feel like you're sinking, and you can start to feel like, I can't do this. And after talking to a few people this week, I know that there's some who also, they kind of understand the disciples in the boat. You're like, actually, my life's cool. I don't get hit by a lot of things I don't see coming. I don't have a control issue with the next step in front of me. But you know what I'm doing is I'm sitting in a boat, and I am watching my son drown. I'm watching my daughter try to walk into an unknown situation and she's faltering and she's surrounded by a storm. I'm watching my friend take his eyes off Jesus and start to sink. I'm watching my spouse or a loved one or someone that I care about and I don't know how to reach out and I don't know how to help them. So what I wanna do with the rest of this morning is I wanna talk about those moments, getting hit by something unforeseen and having to step into something unknown. But I wanna give us a sentence that I see happen with Peter and that I want us to use to structure the rest of this morning, which says, to trust what you have come to know and to trust Christ with what you don't. When faced with something unforeseen, when being asked to step into something unknown, what we can do is we can trust what we've come to know and we can trust Christ with what we don't. I wanna talk about those two points. And the first one is to trust what we've come to know. You know, before, before I received that poetic text message from my Andy, um, uh, we had been dating for about six to eight months and it had actually been a very interesting relationship. We had gotten to the point where we had introduced each other to our families. Like, you know how that's kind of a relationship step? Like we had crossed that. And I remember when he met my parents, um, he, it was a turn of events and he ended up coming to a football game with me. My brother's really big into football. So we went to my brother's football game. And I remember the feeling walking into the bleachers, seeing mom and dad and having this boy with me and being like, whew, here's hoping this goes all right. Like, you know, that feeling of like, oh, this is going to be a thing. And yet he sat down and he talked to my parents and my parents grilled him with questions but it went all right. And then my brother ended up losing that game and he was really heartbroken. And Andy's standing next to me as I'm comforting him. And he, you know, my brother got to experience what it was like to see us with each other. And I remember being home later that night when Andy wasn't around and my parents go, I think you guys might be good for each other. Like, it was so exciting. My parents just thought, I like, I like him and I like you guys being together. And the first time I met his family, his dad sat me down almost immediately to grill me about my financials, which I guess is a thing that parents do. But even after that, they go, I think that you guys are gonna be good for each other. And my friends loved Andy and they loved us being together. They loved what we brought into each other's lives and the pieces of ourselves that we kind of like brought out in each other. And to be surrounded by a relationship that I knew was healthy, a relationship that, that I knew was good for me and to have a f people around us who supported us so much. I had no idea what that text message about basic training really meant, but what I did know is that I had this relationship. I could trust what I had come to know in that relationship and the health and the support that we had as we prepared to try and step out of that boat and see what might come forward. And think about Peter in this moment too. Think about the disciples as they sit in this boat. You know, it wasn't very common for people to know how to swim back then. So imagine being in the middle of a storm in a boat, you don't know how to swim. 
the panic and the anxiety and the fear, even before a figure actually shows up walking on the water. But Peter did know a couple different things. See, he had seen people who had been sick, blind, couldn't walk. People hadn't looked them in the eye. People hadn't touched them possibly for years. And he had watched those people receive their dignity back. He had watched those people get to stand up and walk out. He had watched those people be seen, possibly for the first time in their lives. He had watched people who may be like Pharisees or Roman soldiers who had these hard hearts and were not interested in this God thing. He had watched them soften and think maybe Jesus really is who Jesus says he is. He had watched people who had no hope possibly even hanging on a cross as a thief, no hope, have this moment that occurred that suddenly they thought maybe life is actually worth living. Maybe there really could be hope and a future for me here. See, there's a few things Peter knew. Peter could know and could trust as he's getting ready to step out of that boat, even in the midst of getting hit by something he had no idea was coming. He had seen miracles and he had seen miraculous moments. And he had seen a faith that could move mountains and could change lives. And these are things that he knew as he prepared himself to step outside of that boat. So I ask you, in the face of being hit by something that might leave you frozen or paralyzed, what is something that you have come to know? Is there a moment in your story, a moment in your life that God actually did show up Maybe you didn't know it now, know it then, but when you look back, you see God did carry you through that. God did show up when you cried out in your time of need. Maybe there's someone in your life that showed up right when you needed them to. It was a season of your life and they showed up with advice or encouragement or just to be present with you when you most needed someone there. Take that, you know that to be true. Take that with you into this moment that you weren't expecting. And what about in your own life? Is there anything God has been doing in your own life? Maybe you've experienced a love that you didn't know was even possible from God. Is your relationship with God different now than it was maybe a year ago, maybe five years ago? Have you found yourself so taken with Jesus and his compassion and his peace that you can't help but now treat others that way and you actually handle relationships different than you used to? That is something that you know, that is something that you have come to know, that even when you are hit by something you did not know was coming and you wanna freeze and you wanna be paralyzed, you get to actually say, no, there are things that I do know, there are things that I can trust and I can take that with me as I move forward and help me to move forward through this moment, through this situation. But you know, Peter did eventually look around. He did eventually look at the storm. He did eventually see the wind. And we are told that he began to sink. But if we go back to that verse, the other thing that we are told is that when he cries out, Jesus grabbed him immediately. And you know, there is nothing tricky in that Greek right there. It just means immediately, without hesitation, without time passing by, Jesus was there to immediately grab him. Imagine how close Jesus was standing next to Peter to be there to immediately grab him and pull him up when he cried out, when he felt like he was sinking. So the second point is we can trust what we have come to know, but there are going to be times we're asked, we're called on to step into a situation that is unknown. We're called to step out of that boat and we might see the storm. And what we can do is we can trust Christ 
with what we don't yet know. Yeah, after um, Andy's text message, we did decide, we decided to do the long distance dating. And so I was a very dutiful girlfriend and we went through the like heartbreaking goodbye that is basic training. I don't know if you guys have ever been through it, but it's not easy, it's super sad. And I decided I was writing him often. I wrote him three to four letters every week that he was in basic training. And um, something about basic is you kind of want to fly under the radar. Like you don't want people to know your name. You don't want them to notice you in basic training, especially not drill sergeants. And I knew this. And someone had told me that if your mail sticks out a little bit, like there's something about your letters, drill sergeants will learn your name and they'll pick on you in pretty aggressive ways. So I went out and I got the most ridiculous stationery that I could find. It was like bright pink and purple and it had unicorns all over it and stickers and glitter. And I made it as ridiculous as possible. So I was like, Andy, are you ready for that? Like, <laughs> hmm, you're welcome, right? And then, uh, but we made it through two and a half months and I flew with his family out to Fort Jackson for his graduation. And I don't know, you only actually get to spend about 24 hours with your soldier when they graduate. It's a very brief time. It's a very brief time that you actually get to spend with your soldier. And I had gone out there honestly with the intention to dump him. Like, I know that sounds rough, especially with vengeance stationary, but I was, I was miserable. I hated it. I hated doing long distance dating. I hated not knowing what the next step was gonna look like for us. I hated not knowing where he was gonna be in three months, much less three years. And honestly, like I said, I was in school. Like I was about to graduate and I had a path in front of me and I had a career and I had all the things that I wanted back home. And then there's this cute boy trying to throw a big wrench in everything. And I was like, I, I don't think I need this. And so we did get an opportunity to actually hang out over his graduation. And we sat in a parking lot all night. And I remember so clearly sitting on a curb while Andy is telling me the impact that letters make when you're in basic training. Because it's your only interaction with like a relationship. It's your only interaction with the outside world. It's the only thing that kind of grounds you. And so he tells me that what he would do is he'd lay down in his bunk and he would pull his blanket up over his head when he was supposed to be sleeping. And he had this little red pen light that he'd hold under the blanket with him to read his mail. And then he'd use that pen light to write letters back. That'll get you. And uh, he, I used to write some of our letters and um, some of my letters in pink ink just to be silly. And he told me about the first time I did this. He pulls the blanket up and has the red light out. And in the red light, the pink ink looked like the page was blank. And so, <laughs> Whoops. So he tells me what that moment did to him. Like his heart dropped and he's like, did my girlfriend just send me a blank letter in basic training? That's never a good sign. And just what that did for him was so upsetting. And then obviously he realized there was ink there and he tells me that what he would do is he would use what he was supposed to be sleeping, which is very precious in basic training. And he would write me letters by pen light at night because of how much I mattered and how much he wanted to make sure I knew that. And I tell people, like, you can't be the guy who sits on the curb after that story and then dumps him. You cannot break up with the guy who writes you letter by pen light. You just can't do it. <laughs> but the truth of it is, I was also faced with something else in that moment. I was faced with looking at who Andy is. Like I had no idea what was coming. I had no idea what the next step was gonna be, much less the next five years. I had no idea what military meant. I had no experience with that. But standing in front of me was a guy who was really committed. 
Standing in front of me was a guy who was kind and he was funny and he was so dedicated to making sure that even in the most difficult moments, I was gonna know that I had a partner who stood with me, that he's gonna write me letters by pen light when he should be sleeping. And at some point I had to decide, like, I don't know what this looks like, but I've got to trust what's standing in front of me. I got to trust Andy. At the end of the day, that's what Peter had to do is he had to look up and go, I don't know what this looks like, but I have to trust Christ with this. Because when we step into our unknown, the thing that we can't have a plan for, the thing that we cannot control, what we can do is we can look and we can see, but we've got Jesus. We've got a Jesus who will immediately when we cry out, reach out and will grab us, who will immediately show up when we need him. So I don't know what your unknown looks like. For some of you, I know there's a new season standing in front of you. Some of you guys are fifth graders or you know fifth graders and you're getting ready to send them into middle school. And some of you have eighth graders and you're getting ready to send them into a long four years of high school. And I don't know what that season looks like, but what does it mean to trust that season to Christ? Some of you getting ready to graduate. Some of you are getting ready to walk into new jobs, a new relationship. You might be leaving an old relationship. You have an unknown season standing in front of you. What does it look like to trust Christ with that unknown? Some of you have maybe a conversation or certain relationship in front of you, and you don't know if you engage in that conversation, what it's gonna look like on the end of it. What does it mean to trust God with that? And some of you, I've been speaking, parents, I mean, you do the best that you can. You raise them and you teach them and you show up and you love them. But at the end of the day, there are things coming that you don't know are coming and you cannot control and you cannot fully prepare them for. And every day you have to trust Christ with that unknown. But we get to trust Christ with that unknown, knowing that immediately he will grab us when we call out to him that he is standing right next to us, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of stepping out of that boat, he's standing right next to us, ready to grab us so that we can trust what we've come to know and we can trust Christ with what we don't yet know. And one last thing that I kind of noticed about this passage this week, and I do want you to know, this is Stacy. This is not like some deep theologian thing pointing this out. This is just something that I was reflecting on this week. But I wonder, if when Jesus says, you of little faith, like granted, there's a small rebuke in there, like, hey man, how have you not put this together in mid-Matthew gospel? But I'm not convinced he said this really harshly or really disappointed. Because there's actually three other situations in Matthew where Jesus says, you of little faith. And each one shows up in a moment that the disciples are feeling scared or worried or anxious. And what they're starting to do is they're starting to doubt whether or not they can step into that next moment. They're starting to doubt whether or not Jesus really does have them in the unknown. And what I wonder is if maybe you of little faith is almost a term of endearment that Jesus has for the disciples. Like for me, you, I, I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers and every once in a while, I affectionately refer to them as psychopaths. And the truth is like, if you've spent time with some preteens or like some eighth grade boys, or if you have watched seniors play dodgeball, like there's a little part of you that's like, okay, psychopath. Like when I call them that, yes, I, there are things I love about high schoolers and middle schoolers and it's their energy and it's their impulsivity and it's their creativity. But every once in a while, they need to be reminded, but you're also a human. So take a deep breath and sit down, chill out for a second. 
And so when I refer to them as psychopaths, it's almost a term of endearment. I just wonder that what Jesus is saying here is, I called you. You live so close to me, you're covered in my dust. Trust this, you of little faith. I'm right here to grab you. I'm right here to pull you out of the water. And you know what? The next time that you need me to pull you out of the water, because all you could see was a storm around you and you took your eyes off of me, I'm going to be there that time too. I'm going to be there every single time that you call on me. Trust that. And you know, we mentioned today is a day to be able to celebrate seniors in our class of 21. But I mean, how, what group of people could this be more true of right now? Because there's something sneaky about celebrations, right? And seniors are about to figure this out in a big way. We oftentimes talk about celebrations as this like finish line, like, yay, you did it. And seniors, you did. You got through high school, you did it. You did the thing and it's very exciting. But if you ever spend time in a grad party, it takes about three seconds before someone says, so what's the next step? So where are you going after this? So what school did you choose? What degree path are you doing? Where's your job? Are you moving out? Are you gonna stay home? What's that gonna be like? Are there gonna be different rules? Like suddenly it's not a celebration of something you finished. Really, it's a celebration of the next stage that you're stepping into. And it's that next stage full of a bunch of unknowns. It's a tricky thing where it's kind of a finish line, but it's really a starting line. And so to our seniors in here and to the ones that are watching online, I just want you guys to know, one, so proud of you, like you made it. And that's not the easiest four years. And so way to get there. But what I also want you to do is take a moment, pause and reflect before you step into this unknown season and ask yourself, is there anything that I have come to know? Is there someone who showed up in my life with encouragement and advice and I'm a better person because I knew them? Is there something that I know about God? I know, you know, he, he actually loves me. He actually wants to show up in my life. My small group leader told me these things. Is there something in your life that you have come to know? And I want you to reflect on that. And I want you to make sure that that goes with you into your next season and into this next step of the unknown. And if you are a parent or a grandparent or any kind of family of a senior, I know this is also a celebration for you because like I've met them and getting some of them through high school is not the easiest job. So way to do it, that's really exciting. But this is also a starting line for you because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what their next season's gonna look like. We cannot control it, we cannot predict it, we cannot prepare them for everything. And so as a parent and a grandparent, you are being asked to trust Christ with their unknown, to trust Christ with their next season, to be excited for them, but to also trust I, Christ is standing right next to them, ready to reach out immediately as soon as they cry out for him. And we actually had the opportunity to sit down with a couple of seniors a few weeks ago when we made a video that we get to share this morning. And it's just the seniors reflecting on what a crazy senior year they had in the midst of everything. Some of their excitement about what's coming up, some of their reflections on small groups. But we also sat down with some of their small group leaders who have been with them some for several years and being able to hear their hopes and some of their joys and expectations for these kids and just things that they're excited about. So I wanted you guys to get a chance to get to see that video too. I serve in high school because I had high schoolers and it was such a positive experience for my kids, but I've stayed because I know the impact that their leaders made on them. And I just wanted to hopefully have an opportunity to do that too.
Wednesday nights is really special to be with girls that really look up to you and that you can mentor and, you know, guide them to their futures and tell them how much God loves them when they think the world really doesn't love yeah. them. And, and so it has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think we've ever like shared anything like super personal and it's ever been like judged like every single time we're all like really like supporting of each other. It's a really good group. I I think we're like the best group in the <laughs> You know, it wasn't really your standard senior year. There was a lot of stuff that I wasn't able to do. Like a lot of stuff I could have done but wasn't able to because of, you know, pandemic. They have changed a lot, actually. I mean, in, in, in sophomore year, it was mostly wrestling on the floor and, and jumping on chairs and jumping on tables and, um, and, you know, trying to keep that under control. And so now it's not so much of that. It's, it's just, um, you know, kind of keeping their attention focused on something long enough to get to a point. I would say that my senior year was really weird. It was very different, but it was also transformative. Like, I feel like I learned a lot about myself and I was able to become more independent because for like half the year I was alone in my room. I know when I went to college, I was I was very much alone because I didn't ha have God at that time. So giving these girls that ability to know that God is with them no matter what, even in their lowest of lows and highest of highs throughout this new chapter that they're stepping into, just knowing that they have God there for them, with them. As like, just as like our age level, I feel like something we need to have everybody know is that it's okay not to be okay. Definitely for myself, I should have like known that. And so I feel like it's a good thing for everybody to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since I've been in high school and especially the last, you know, year, um, all the stuff that they've had to go through, how they've persevered through everything, and uh, have really just sort of been able to find their own source of stability to stay sane. Uh, you know, they're always surprising me in new ways and have interesting perspectives and make me think about something slightly different. You know, I just pray that God, you know, helps us persevere. So I just hope that no matter what happens, I just keep on going. Like before it might've been just us as leaders offering that like comfort or that advice or those words of wisdom. But like now I see them offering that to each other. And I think that's super awesome. So I'm proud of them. I love them. I'm definitely excited to see where life brings me and just getting like into the career that I really want. It's like an investment to me. It's like, um, you know, you kind of think back when you were their age and the things that you were doing and the people that influenced you and the ways they, they influenced you. And so working with these kids is, um, it's, it's not a babysitting thing. It's, it's an investment, it's, it's an input. It's, it's a constructive thing to try and do in their lives. And then they actually do in your life as well. Pete is like a pool of infinite I, knowledge. Oh yeah. like, He's I could ask him anything. Here. He's like, you know, a wise sage. I love that look so much. <laughs> <laughs>
That, by the way, was your dad. <laughs> the wise sage is my yeah. dad. And I do remember being like, well, he's a rascal, and they're <laughs> rascals, so I bet they'll make a good he's, group Yeah, together. your dad's like the perfect small group leader. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> and I, I love, did you notice, uh, like, it, when it had the, the senior girls, like, they, just, they were thoughtful and just sat there, and the boys were like, oh, I'm just like, yep. I don't know, man. And that's them on their best behavior, so it was real good. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, you know, as we think about this uh, day, uh, just uh, I want to say something to all of our grads uh, here. And that is um, if as you kind of step into this uh, new uh, place in life, you know, kind of going off of some of the stuff that Stacy said, as you're kind of finishing or crossing that finish line that in so many ways is really that starting line that like we hope that the, one of the things that you take away from your time and being a part of this place um, is that God is for you and that this church, if you look around in this room, um, this church is for you as well. And even, uh, again, kind of going back to something that you pointed out today, this whole idea of trust Christ with what you don't know. Um, if you're a grad and you're getting ready to step out like into life and all the things that you don't know, um, you really can trust Christ with your life. Those decisions that you're making and where you're going with life with all that you don't know, I believe this firmly, that uh, decades from now, you will look back and you will see that every ounce of, of what you took as a human being and trusted with Christ, that like that was some of your wisest decisions. You will never regret that. And I think about us as a church, you know, we're a church that values uh, every generation, trying to be a multi-generational church and having this value of older generations reaching back to younger generations and just the beauty of that. You know, uh, one of the things that we've seen that holds true that has been walked out uh, year after year after year after year, that when a young person uh, is able to make a meaningful connection to an adult that is outside their family, what that does for their spiritual journeys is amazing as they go into young adulthood. It's like it anchors them back to this faith and to this community that is bigger than them. And it just, it prepares them and helps them as they walk forward in young adulthood. And it's just, I just love being a part of a church that is committed to that and has done uh, that. And so there really is something to celebrate here that uh, you all have done as a church and all of our uh, all of our volunteers in our youth area. And we wanna do something special to celebrate that, something we call uh, gifts for grads. And why don't you uh, walk through just what that is and how they can all. Absolutely, because like you said, even in addition to the actual small group leaders who hang out in small groups and who support them and encourage them, we want to be a church. We talk about this in high school all the time, that this is a church of people who are excited about them and are for them and want them to always know no matter where they go, they're gonna be welcome here. And so what we're gonna do is something called Gifts for Grads. And it is something that we've done before, but the way it works is over here, we're gonna have a few high school volunteers and they have these cards. And on the card is gonna be a name 
name of one of our seniors who has come up through the high school ministries, who has spent the last few years in our small groups. And what we've asked is that people of our church would go and adopt a senior and create a sort of care package for them. We've got a few ideas on the back. If you're, you know, a normal person who doesn't always understand teenagers, these are some ideas. But what we're asking is that you'd make a care package for them. We're going to be handing out names for about two weeks, but we'll be accepting care packages unwrapped for the next four weeks or so. And what we're going to do as a student ministry is take them, get them ready, and then ship it to them wherever they go come the fall. Because we've got a few kids who are going to school. We've got a student joining the military. We've got a student who's going really far for school because he's already got his aviation license because he's an overachiever. And we've just got students kind of going, yeah, this is a good year for him actually. But we've got students going all over the place, some staying in town. And it's just our opportunity to get to remind them that CASAS is for them, but also because think about the fall of your freshman year, wherever you might be, if you're at work or anything, like you've been faced with a lot of unknowns, but you're also walking through a lot of situations that you weren't prepared for. And so it's just our opportunity to say, remember that God is always with you, ready to reach out and grab you immediately whenever, whenever you call out to him. So, And I recommend... I- that you include a pin light in there. <laughs> Life-changing, those yeah. pin lights. You never know. Yeah. Absolutely. Because these are, these are an incredible group of kids, and this is an incredible church that they get to be a part of. And so I just ask that you'd adopt a senior, and we'll be able to send those care packages in the fall. Um, but to wrap up this morning, I ask that would you guys maybe stand with us, and I will pray and kind of close out our morning. Thank you again for joining. And if this is your first time, thank you for being here. And um, if you would please join me in praying for our seniors. Uh, Dear Lord, God, I, I say it all the time, but thank you so much for these high school students. Thank you so much for this class of 2021 and all that they've brought to us and all that they've put in our lives. Um, and Lord, we don't know where they're going. We don't know what they're gonna face, but we know that you do. And we know that you are faithful and we know that you are present, God. And I just pray that you would help each and every one of us to trust you with their unknowns, to trust you with their lives. Again, just continue to be thankful that we get the opportunity to know them and they get the opportunity to be here, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, thanks, guys.